Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Kentuckiana Travel Ball Podcast. My name is T. Gridge. As always, I'm your host. Joined with me is my co-host, Rick Hines. What's up, Rick? What's going on, T.? You know, man, another day, another dollar. We yeah. got another awesome show for you. Uh, before Pretty we great. get into a, a special guest, I have to remind you that Guardian Baseball, which I am wearing their logo on my hoodie here, is our sponsor. Please go to guardianbaseball.com. If you use the code Kentuckiana Travel Ball, you'll get an additional 15% off whatever you order. They have everything. They're baseball people. They will help you. If you go to their store, you can try stuff on. Oh, yeah. Zev over there will help you out. So please go check out guardianbaseball.com. Today we have Sanex head coach, Mr. Andy Porta. What's up, Andy? Not much. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Three-time high school state champion. Uh, I know at least once, I think it may even be multiple times, you were the Kentucky High School Baseball Coach of the Year. Coach, give us a little bit of your background. Uh, I graduated from St. X in 1985, played both basketball and baseball, uh, went to Murray State University. I did not play at the college level, um, did my bachelor's and master's down there, and then I wanted to get back to St. X as soon as possible. I knew uh, I had such great coaches in both both sports, basketball and baseball, that I knew I wanted to get back and, and coach at St. X. And uh uh, they didn't have anything open that first year, so I worked one year down in Nelson County, um, down okay. in Bardstown, yeah. and, and I enjoyed that. That was yeah. that was great people down sure. there. I did uh, eighth grade football. I did uh, middle school basketball okay. on the girls' side, and then I did uh, varsity baseball down there for a year. And awesome. Luckily, uh, you know, after that one year, St. X called and said, we've got an opening, and we'd love to have you. And I've been here ever since. This is my 30th year back at St. X teaching and coaching. So obviously you've had a ton of success as the head baseball coach. Let's talk a little bit about your team. So what, what do you have coming back? What's the outlook? You know, I know putting kids into college is a big focus of your all. So let's talk a little bit about the St. X team. Uh, definitely pitching and defense. Uh, you know, there for a couple of years, there, especially the 2018 team, the 2019 team, we were, we were more offense uh, oriented and, and, you know, knocking a lot of home runs one through nine, but, okay. uh, really since I, this is my 10th year, uh, 10th season, 11th year coaching, but 10th season coming up, really it's been pitching and defense has been, right. has been our strengths. And, uh, I think that's going to be the case again. Um, you know, we've got, uh, at least two D1 arms okay. uh, at the varsity level right now. We're still working on trying to place a couple more of the, of the young men. Um, and defensively, we're going to be very, very solid. Um, you know, Landon Acres at short mm -hmm. uh, is getting some D1 looks right now. Uh, Cooper Smith at third and can also play short uh, is trying to narrow down some D1 offers right now. Uh, seconds open, but we've got a couple of juniors that I think can slide in there. And, and really, Cooper and Landon can play anywhere in the sure. infield. And, and both of them are going to give us some innings on the mound, too. So they're going to be interchangeable. Um, you know, behind the plate, we've got Jake Bennett, uh, and, and he's going the Juco route uh, down at San Jacinto, down in okay. Texas. Yep. Uh, you know, first is a little bit open, but we've got plenty of guys to try over there, plenty of pitchers that can also play corner sure. and play first. Um, and then outfield, uh, we've got some returning senior outfielders in uh, Hayden Gunther, John Paul Giardina, yep. and uh, 
uh, Matthew Schaff line, but we've also got some junior outfielders that are really going to push. So I would say outfield's kind of open and uh, first and second a little bit open. But defensive, I think we're going to be solid. Um, you know, the, the the pitchers that we're looking at right now, Jake Greger is is a commit to University of Louisville, mm-hmm. and he's only a sophomore. If if everything goes as planned, and, and you know, you can't predict the future, especially with injuries, but uh, Jake very well could be the first four-year varsity pitcher uh, at wow. St. Wow, okay. Um, the very first. That's hey. what he did last year is he basically pitched for us and then played JV ball defensively. Well, that's crazy. Um, so, so look, that wow. that's following up some impressive names. So yeah. the, the three of us <laughs> will be at the, the St. X Hall of Honor dinner tonight and we're inducting matt anderson who was the number one draft pick in the mlb well he didn't have a chance he tra- he transferred in so he only had a couple <laughs> oh that's years a good there, point so. that's a good point he did transfer yeah. in as, as a sophomore but yeah or maybe as a junior but but still it, there's some big some big time pitchers come through the through the x program yeah there really are uh and we kind of pride ourselves on that um you know, taking care of arms, not not overusing kids to where they have the serious arm injuries, uh, but also developing them and send them to the next level. And, you know, we're fortunate to send some to the D1 level, but we're also working hard to send some to D2, D3, NAIA, sure. whatever, whatever their fit is. Well, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, you just added a new staff member, and, and this being a Travel Ball podcast, a lot of people know this name. Um, Aaron Flaker is now part of the San X baseball staff. Talk to me about how that came about and what Aaron's role will be. Yeah, uh, Aaron's role is his title. Really, it's going to be pretty fluid, and he's going to be the guy that, that does a little bit of everything, and he already has done a ton for us. But officially, the title right now is uh, Director of Baseball Operations slash Player Development. Okay. Uh, so he's, he's really helping us on both sides. He's helping us. Uh, introduce kids to St. X coming from the middle schools and the grade schools, and he's also helping us place kids sure. after St. X, which sure. is really really nice. Um, you know, and, and you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. He, he's well known in the travel ball oh, community. Um, so you know, already obviously, already he's got some connections right mm-hmm. now that are just helping us out tremendously. And and now he's kind of learning more about St. X. Braxton graduated last year, uh, so you know he was a parent to the program. Now Tice is at St. X right mm-hmm. now, but. Okay. Sometimes it's it's different when you get into the inner workings of the school. So, you know, he's helping us with shadows. He's helping us with visits. He's helping us reach out. And, you know, something we started this year, too, is, is we're renting out our field uh, to travel ball programs. And last night we had a 13U Vipers team working out, and, and they actually asked the St. X coaches, hey, can you guys help us out with some defensive things? So uh, myself and Joe Patzeld and Albo Lincolnberg, we basically ran their practice for two hours last night. And, and a lot of that is from Aaron's connections. Uh, but we're opening it up. And, and we're trying to get more and more uh, people that, you know, we want to help them out and let them use our facility, but we also want to kind of see if they can help us and, and steer some kids our way. Well, listen, so we've got a ton of travel ball coaches that listen to this podcast. So we're going to have to talk a little bit about how someone would go about renting out the field and get in in front of the St. X coaching It's a pretty good idea, right, T? Oh, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense, <laughs> yeah. right? So, you know, maybe that's something we may need to look at doing, yeah, Rick. Yeah. But, I mean, I know our kids, you know, we've got several very St. X heavy kids that would love to be out there and be on that field. So that's a cool idea, and I really think it's a really good way to kind of get the travel ball community accustomed to what you guys do. So it makes a lot of sense. It's a nice field. Oh, yeah, awesome. um, and and honestly, the, you know, the administration has gone back and forth. There there were periods where you know we're renting out the pool, we're renting out gyms, we're renting out fields, and then there were periods where because of liability issues, now we needed yeah. to back off on it. Well, the pendulum has swung in, in the in the positive direction sure. right now, and we want as many 
youngsters on our campus as possible to see St. X. And it makes sense. You know, their parents, their siblings, we want the whole families. From a marketing perspective, it makes a ton of sense. So talk to me a little bit about your feelings on travel baseball, because I know that that, look, travel baseball is, it's different today than it was five years ago and then five years before that. And then, you know, when I was playing, it didn't even exist. So what are your feelings on the whole travel ball kind of deal altogether? Um, you know, it, it's kind of that double-edged sword. Um, I think I think it's you know, the the I guess the negative first is sometimes you worry when somebody switches from organization to organization to organization. Is is it you know, hey, I'm not getting enough playing time here, so my dad's going to start a team mm-hmm. here, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. all of a sudden now I'm going to play short and pitch and, and we've bat talked third. about that a lot. Um, right. So I, you know, you're leery about that if a young man's been in three, four different organizations in the last five and six years. Um, you know, the positive side is obviously it's, there's a need, um, for whatever reason, you know, when, when we were younger, especially when I was younger, I know I'm a little bit older, but you know, there was no travel ball. Right. You either played at Highview or Fern Creek or yep, J-Town right. or yep. Beachmont or St. Matthews. Those leagues were Beachmont. competitive. Yeah, yeah. Those leagues were competitive. And, you know, then the elite players from there formed an all-star team and you tried to you know, play all summer with mm-hmm. your all-star and mm-hmm. it's just, that's a dying breed right now. So the travel ball has definitely replaced that and, and filled that void. Um, you know, this is my 11th season as head coach. And, you know, there, there's some programs that have been around for all of those years. There's some programs that were around for a year or two and they've disbanded. Sure. So you do have to kind of watch out for the just the, the daddy ball, if you will. Um, but the programs that have been around, the, the kind of the tried and true programs, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of respect for them. And uh, let's face it, they're turning out some really quality ball players. They really are. Now, are you seeing a – a rise in the quality of player that you're getting because these kids are doing more baseball now before they get to you? Yeah, um, and, I, and I'm not going to knock one program over another, but you know some of the programs that don't practice and just play a, a ton of games – uh, sometimes those players are very talented, but they have a lot of bad habits that they need to break with the practice sessions that okay. we provide. Okay. Um, you know, they're, they're game ready, but th- then there's still some, some bad habits and some fundamentals that you need to straighten out. I mean, you know, the programs that kind of have that balance of we're going to practice two and three days a week and then we're going to play our tournaments, uh, those guys are definitely coming in, you know, talented and prepared and fundamentally solid. Look, yeah. there's, there's some guys that are doing a really high level, right? right. Chris Burke's team that, you know, they're getting a ton of instruction. Ty Brown's team's getting a ton of instruction. I feel like our team, we do a really good job on the instruction piece. But I totally understand what you're saying there. And it kind of leads me – sorry to interrupt you here, Rick. But no, kind of leads me to a question I was going to ask a little bit later. But being this is a travel ball podcast and being that we try to provide value to not only coaches but players and, and, and parents, what's something that you would like to see coaches – Maybe do a little bit differently at the travel ball side. Maybe some break some habits that you're seeing, kind of a trend. What should we be focusing on as travel ball coaches? Uh, I would watch arms. I would definitely watch overuse. Um, and I would suggest try to, you know, get your players playing as many different positions as possible. Okay. Don't, don't pigeonhole a kid that's. 8U, 10U, 12U, 13U, and say you can only play shortstop, you can only catch. Because we tell kids all the time when they come to us, you know, the more positions you can play, the more marketable you are, the better chance you have to make our freshman team, to make our JV team. Uh, And honestly, it it translates to the next level. Is he athletic enough to, to, you know, 
have a college coach say, hey, I love his athleticism. I'm not sure he can play middle infield for us, but we can slide him to the corner yep. or we can slide him to the outfield. But you don't want those kids that are pigeonholed to just one position yeah. for the last six or seven or eight years. Um, and then, like I said at the beginning, take care of arms too. And and it's tough. And, and you know, sometimes you, you live and learn and maybe you go to a tournament that you haven't been to in previous years and all of a sudden you find out, you know, your pool games are Thursday through Friday. Right. And then right. all of a sudden you're expected, if you win the tournament, you're expected to play another five games on Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, you just got to be careful with the arms and, uh, you know, watch pitch counts, even if the tournament isn't enforcing pitch counts. But I think the coaches have to be, you know, responsible enough and or their parents. You know, sometimes I've seen some kids where, you know, the coaches just keep throwing them and throwing them and throwing them. And honestly, I'd like to see mom or dad come out of the stands and say, he's done. He needs mm-hmm. to, he needs to play a different position because he's thrown too much because that's always a fear too, is you only have so many bullets in those shoulders and elbows and, and we don't need kids throwing their arms out at such a young, young age. Do you have a number in mind? You think that that makes sense? No, I mean, everybody's individualized. Um, with our guys at St. X, honestly, uh, you know, in, in my 10 previous seasons at the varsity level I bet I can count on one hand a number of times we've had a varsity pitcher throw over 100 pitches we just don't do it uh you know the KHSA says they can go up to 120 but we just don't believe in that um you know it's it's just not necessary um but there's not like an exact number that I would say freshmen can't reach this number sophomores can't reach this number it's it's individualized some kids are, are physically more mature than others but um, we definitely want to err on the side of caution. We really do. Um, you know, another thing along those lines that it's a pet peeve of mine that I can't stand is let's say the kid does play multiple positions and he's, he's at second, but you know, you're getting ready to maybe use him in relief. You know, he's got to have a warm up time other than the seven pitches that the umpire mm-hmm. gives him. I can't stand that when they just walk to the mound and say, can you throw, um, you know, We've done that before, and it's perceived that we're doing that, but we make sure he threw while we were batting the yeah. previous inning. Uh, okay. Or there's times we've subbed him out, and we can re-enter, right. and then we bring him back in to right. pitch. But we will never take a kid cold from center field, from third base, and just say, can you can you go in seven warm-up pitches? Okay. I, just, I don't like that. I just think that's wrong, and you're asking too much because even if the kid's mature enough and he kind of eases into it, once the umpire says play ball and maybe the bases are loaded, that adrenaline starts, and he's going to try to throw as hard as he can right away. And you just have to worry about, again, taking care of that shoulder and that elbow. You know, Rick, he brings up a good point there. So right. we've got a kid on our team that, that when we start him in a fresh inning or start him in a game, he does really, really well. But if we bring him in in a situation where there's kids on base um, and, and, and the, he's starting with maybe he's starting with a certain count, he doesn't fare as well as he does when he does with a fresh inning. I never really took into fact. We're typically bringing him out of the outfield saying, all right, go, go on the mound and pitch. We right. don't give him a whole lot of time to warm up. I would assume, I guess, you know, I really never even thought about that, but, but even at, at 11, 12 years old, I guess that's something you probably need to look at doing, right? And, and we've even done that and not used him. But, you know, the wheels are turning and, hey, what, 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 what's our starter at? Or, or just in case, or, you, you know, there's innings. Yeah. And we've, we've done that. Way. We've said, hey, why don't you go throw? Or, or maybe he made the first out of the inning. And we know we only have two outs left, but let's sprint him over to the bullpen and, and let him get a dozen throws in right now just in case we right. need him. And it turns out sometimes we don't need him, but at least we know You're ready. he's ready. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yep. interesting. I, you know, I, I, it's something I'd never really thought about. Now, obviously, we warm him up before the game. Sure. Right. We do a little bit in between innings, and if the kid's on the Bench, I'll have him go warm their arm up. But sometimes it's a like an emergency thing. Yeah, and it's like right. oh, this, in, this inning's going a little haywire. We need so and so to come in, and 
like you said, we we've got enough bodies on the bench. We could sub somebody in while they warm up, right? Um, but I, I tell but you, we man, don't do that. We don't do that typically, and it's something that I think we probably should, and I think it gives our our, our pitchers a fighting chance. Yeah, they'll be more like mentally getting, prepared right. and yeah, physically prepared. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, something else that we do with our Wolves program is our whole goal is the next level. So it's not necessarily about wins and losses. We we obviously we want to win, but we want to make sure they're prepared. They want to play in high school. They're going to have that opportunity. So we always tell them that when when they get to high school and their coach says, "Where do you play?" The answer is going to be anywhere you need me. And that's kind of our Perfect. goal. Is we try to we tr- we're trying to move kids now. We don't do as much as we should, but we do try to move kids around quite a bit. Get them some different spots. And we've told them these. Every kid knows. If you ask any kid on our team. What position do you play? They know the right answer. What is it that you're looking for when these kids step on campus? When, when, when you're doing freshman tryouts, what, what, what makes the team and what doesn't? Uh, a lot of times, I mean, that's a great question because we have a meeting with our parents before tryouts and, and, you know, we meet with all of them, but typically it's more geared toward the new parents, the freshman parents, and, and we'll, we'll flat out tell them, um, you know, there's, there's really three categories that we're looking for uh, if, if you want your son to make the team. And, you know, one of them is obviously baseball ability. Yep. Can he throw? Can he run? <laughs> can he hit? You know, baseball ability, that's, sure. that's up there. Uh, number two is just, is he athletic? Because we will keep, especially at the younger level, we will keep some kids that run like a deer but maybe swing and miss right now and we right. figure hey we can work with that yeah. we or can kid, fix that yeah <laughs> i mean a kid that's got a strong yeah. arm but, yeah you know can't has no idea where it's going we can work with that right. especially at the younger level um so athleticism baseball ability and really the third one that a lot of parents don't understand we i just call it the, the intangibles um you know is your son coachable because um, let's be honest, when you're when you're deciding on those, we call them kind of those bubble kids, the last couple of kids. Because if if we have, you know, 35 tryout and, and a particular year, if if our number is 18, if our number is 21, whatever it might be, more than half of them are locks. More than half of mm-hmm. the coaching staff can say he's on, he's on. Oh, yeah. Give him a jersey, give him a Done. jersey. Right. But when you're talking about those other guys that you're trying to fill out the roster, the intangibles really come into play. And and you know we're human, we make mistakes, but you're you're trying to predict. You know, from what we've seen with all of our preseason conditioning, all of our workouts, all of our tryouts, does he look like he's a coachable young man? Yep. Is he willing to try what we're asking him to do? Um, and does he look like he's going to handle that role of potentially not being that starter? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you'll have a kid that might have a little more talent, but he looks like he is ready to just pout because he's not going to be a starter. And okay. you really don't need that cancer in the dugout that's going to bring everybody down. Um, so those intangibles, I think, are real, real important, especially for those those last couple of guys that you're, you're going to keep on the team. So we talk a lot about body language. We talk a lot about attitude. We talk a lot about being a good teammate, um, being able to to play that sacrifice role for the guy on third, putting it on the ground to get him in, you know, with less than with one or less out. So how important is that aspect? How important is the body language and just the, the being a good teammate aspect? Oh, I think, I think it's huge. I really do. Because like I said, um, you know, bad body language can do a lot of damage. It really can. Um, you know, with the teammates, with the coaches, with the fans. Uh, so I think that is huge. I think you've got to be willing to kind of buy in 
uh, and be a good teammate. And we tell them all the time, roles can change. So what your role is, you know, on opening day on March 29th might right. be totally different than it is in the middle of April and in May. But, um, you know, you've got to be able to kind of buy into that team first mentality. And, and you know, our, our kids, for the most part, are pretty good. Uh, they really are. We, we do not have too many issues. So I don't know if, if we're picking the right ones when we do have cuts um, or if the kids finally do just realize, hey, I'm a part of the team and I'm buying into this. I'm buying in. Yeah. Well, okay. So if right. you're in my shoes, though, Coach, how do you how do you coach that? How do you how do you coach a kid that maybe doesn't have the best body language and try to make them understand? You know, look, if if Saint X's coach is watching today, he, how do you want to act? Right. How do you coach that if you're in our shoes? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely think you have to point out when he has the bad body language. Um, you know, you've got to correct that behavior. Uh, it doesn't need to be something where, you know, you blow it out of proportion and you jump his tail and, and embarrass the heck out of him, but it might just be that little side conversation like, hey, what's going on? You don't look real thrilled right now. Something going on that we need to know about. You know, kind of pick these guys up. Uh, they're, they're, they're counting on you to support them. Uh, and then obviously reward them when they do it. Hey, that's a super job. You know, sometimes you have those post-game talks, and, yeah, you're talking about the the guy that you know came in and shut him down out of the bullpen or the guy that got the go-ahead base hit or the sack fly mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. but you also got to point out that guy that was on the bench that was keeping the books that was congratulating everybody when they came yep. off the field that was warming up your left fielder you, yeah. you've got to make a point to kind of pick those guys out in front of everybody else too uh, and that kind of picks them up plus the guys that played that game they know the expectation if they're out in the next game hey I want I want to be just like him sure. if I'm not playing tomorrow night that's, that makes a lot of sense that's a really great Good point. point yeah so this past weekend, we had a really tough loss. Um, lost to a good team, but, but really kind of what happened was we didn't execute in a couple areas where we needed to execute. So uh, we didn't lay a bunt down when we needed to lay a bunt down. We didn't, you know, we had bases loaded with no outs and, and didn't get the runs in that we needed to get. Maybe we hit a pop fly or whatever it may be. When we left, obviously the kids are devastated because the kids want to win. You know, they're giving us everything they've got. Right. They always do. But how do you coach the execution part when when everybody knows i know i should have done that the kid knows he's trying he knows he should have gotten the bat on the ball what's the best way to coach that when a kid's just frustrated and and we don't want to put i, I feel like we probably i probably put too much weight on them but how do you coach that the proper way you know uh two things in, in practice you can set up situations um you know, and, and the kids, it'll take them a while to get used to this, but we do this all the time at St. X. Damon Amlong, one of one of our longtime assistants, he's a Army Corps of Engineers, so he's a genius. In fact, I taught him years ago. Um, taught but, him everything he knew. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> he's but, a genius. <laughs> but everything doesn't have to be about the score. So sometimes we can set up little situational scrimmages, and all we're counting is how many bases were taken. Okay. And that's how you score. So you might not score a run, but you took three bases that inning Collectively, before you got your three outs, um, you know, so you kind of put them in some pressure situations there, and that's all they're worried about is do my job. You know, if it's move a runner over with a ground ball to the right side, I did my job, and maybe he didn't score. So, you know, it might not directly translate into the game, but I think in the long run, I think it does. When when you, you set those little goals of if my job is to get that runner from second to third, mm-hmm. you know, two-strike approach, and I'm just moving them over, hey, congratulations, you did your job. Um, you know, the second thing is – the more times they're in that situation, you hope they'll respond differently. Oh, yeah. You really do. And, yeah. and, you know, that's, you know, from a scheduling standpoint, that's where you want to kind of keep putting the kids in that situation as much as possible. Uh, when I make out our schedule, I try not to put a single opponent on there that I think we're going to run rule. 
It's okay. just, it's just not doing us any well, good. Right. It doesn't yeah. do even even if you are playing the guys that don't typically get to play, it, it really doesn't I, right. I totally agree. And it, it will it will still happen. We'll we'll have if you look at our, you know, schedule when the season's over, there might be one or two games that we run rolled somebody, but that's never a goal of ours when I make the schedule out. Sure. If it happens, it happens. But it's it's let's keep putting them in a tougher and tougher situation and let's keep throwing that guy that hit the pop fly and, and you know didn't execute a bunt let's try to hopefully we can put them back in that situation at, at a later time and and see what happens hopefully the more times they experience it the better they get um i don't have this written down but i am a i'm a small ball coach okay i i, I we have a very fast team um i love the steel bases i love the bunt i love to put the ball on the ground we're, we we're a pitching and defense position. team as well we we're, are you know we are but power. that's we're built on athletes we're not built on kids knocking it out of the park we're built on on hitting it and running. How important is it? I have some, I, and the reason I bring this up, coach, is I have some parents look at me like, "You're not really going to ask my kid to bunt, are you?" Really? How important is it for a kid to have that skill? I think it's incredibly important. I really do, and I think it's one through nine. I think even your big boppers, so to speak, have to have the ability to put it down. Uh, and you might not ask them this year, but at some point, a coach is going to ask them to bunt. You know, very rarely is is somebody a quote home run hitter from eight U to the end of his career. At some point, he's going to be challenged, and now it's now I got to be that total baseball player yeah. that can move runners over that can yep. get the bunt down uh, so I think it's incredibly important we work on it a ton um, you know from my baseball background I say this a lot too sometimes it's just some kids just don't have the heart to bunt unfortunately you can drill and drill and drill you can use live arm you can use machines you can crank up the velocity but I say from basketball my basketball days some kids just don't have the drive to block out and rebound and sometimes I think running's the same way I mean you know sometimes it has nothing to do with size athleticism it's just do they want to do it yeah and that's the toughest thing is to get them to want to do it um we've tried rewarding kids before we've tried disciplining kids you didn't get the bunt down in practice (laughs) Go run a lap. I mean, (laughs) uh, so I do not, unfortunately, I do not have the the magic answer to that, but I think everybody needs to work on it. I think every single righties, lefties, big kids, slow kids, athletes, non-athletes, I think everybody It's an important skill for every. It really is. Every single It really is. Yep. So you mentioned run-rolling teams. Um, It's interesting to us. So anytime we travel out of the area, we we travel a decent amount. Um, We feel like we fare pretty well to the competition that we're playing. Uh, if Tyke Brown's team goes and plays in Florida, they're typically winning. If Chris Burke's team's playing somewhere, they're typically winning. Baseball in our age group and really travel ball period in Kentucky is really, really strong. How do you feel the baseball talent stacks up in our area kind of compared to not necessarily the entire country, but really kind of like the region? Yeah. Honestly, I think, I think, you know, the top tier teams in Kentucky, I think are right there. You know, with everybody. Um, yeah, I really do. Um, and obviously, I, I don't know about California, Texas, but, you know, when we travel, um, you know, I, I know we hit some solid areas, uh, North Indianapolis, and I've even had coaches and umpires. Yeah, you are playing the best teams in this region. When we travel to Cincinnati, we make sure we're playing the best teams in Cincinnati. Uh, if we go to Nashville, this year we're going to Georgia. We're picking up a couple teams in nice, Georgia. Nice. Um, and I feel like we're right there with them. It's, you know, Sometimes you got to convince the kids because the kids are so into social media, and 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 I look at it too. But I also have to take it with a grain of salt. And, and you know, 
we're trying to be ranked nationally every year. Sure. That's one of our goals. You, you want you want to be ranked nationally. Yep. You also kind of laugh at it. You know, how can we be ranked <laughs> sixth in the nation right. compared to teams in Texas and right. Florida you, you and Georgia? Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, but nevertheless, we want to be ranked nationally. Sure. Um, you start reading about some of those teams, and all of a sudden, you know, somebody in California has nine D1 arms and seven kids throwing 90 plus miles mm-hmm. an hour. Mm-hmm. But only one of them can get on the mound at a time. Mm-hmm. And all we got to do is beat that. that we just one, have to compete right. against that one guy. Mm-hmm. The other eight guys aren't hurting us on the mound right now. It's right. just that one guy. And I feel like we stack up against those teams very, very well. It might be, like you said, it might be a lot of small ball and just compete. And, you know, let's take that 0-0 game into the seventh inning and see what happens. Uh, but I really do. I feel like the top-tier teams in, in Louisville and in this region can compete, you know, with a with wider. Yeah, I really do think so. And the talent that you – guys are typically getting on a year-to-year basis you feel like pretty high i do uh again if if we went you know if i use my my example of the the california school that's got nine d1 arms well if we played them a best of seven series you know we're going to run into d1 Mm -hmm. arm every Mm -hmm. single time out whereas we're not going to be able to put that out Mm -hmm. against them so yeah we'd probably take our lumps but in in a one game series uh, i like our chances i really do i love it that's awesome coach how would you describe your coaching style Wow. Um, you know, I guess I'll go back to, again, you know, we do a lot of talking with the kids and talking with the parents. And, and uh, since I've taken over, we've, we've kind of said we, we will always have these three goals in mind. So I guess indirectly it, it leads into a coaching style. But first and foremost, uh, we want to make sure we turn out just phenomenal young men. Yep. You know, first and foremost, it's, it's are the St. X baseball grads going to be men for others, men that can, can help out in the community? That's first and foremost. It has nothing to do about baseball skills, wins and losses. Our first number one goal is, and I tell the parents, I said, we're hoping to just continue what you all have already done as moms and dads. Sure. Um, you know, that's always got to be our first goal. So everything we do as far as how we run practices how we how we travel how we treat people in public that's our number one goal is make sure we're turning out good quality young men uh for the city of louisville the state the surrounding regions and even nationally um secondly then it it does come down to we want to win state championships Mm -hmm. we really do And, Mm -hmm. and i know a lot of coaches will not say that but i've said that from day one and when i took over uh, gosh, it had been 31 years since yep. the, the 81 state championship. Right. And I told the first team and the first parents, we want to win state. We really do. Even when I coached basketball with Joe Bergamini, Joe Bergamini is a saint. Uh, you know, that yes. was that was always our goal is, you know, come on, Joe, we want to win state. Yeah, I don't care how good the other teams are. We want to win state. Uh, and then our last goal is more individualized. Let's get as many of your sons to the next level. Whatever that next level may be, whether it's D1, 2, 3, NAI, let's get as many of your sons to the next level. But it's got to be in that order the individual stuff has to be after the team the state championship and all the baseball stuff has to be beneath that goal of let's make sure every every decision that we make is based on making sure we turn out quality individuals so you know roundabout way I guess my coaching style is going to be looking at that first and foremost Um, you know we're going to correct those mistakes first and foremost if we think somebody's making a bad decision uh, that's an embarrassment to himself to his family to the program to the school we're going to correct those decisions right away uh, because we do not want that to happen yeah Uh, and then we'll start worrying about the baseball side of it and you know the the issues with the you know how many you guys want to play at the next level and if they don't that's okay too I'm cool with that I've had some fun 
phenomenal baseball players, great high school baseball players that say, Coach, I'm done after this. Oh, yeah. I, uh, and I, I appreciate it. the honesty. And we just say, hey, let's go out on top. Uh, Casey Simon's a perfect example. Casey, uh, you know, hit the, the only – he had a – Solo home run in the state championship in 2016. Yeah. It was his only home run in his Saint X career. We win one to nothing. Yeah. And, and Casey goes to UVA, and, and now he's in uh, in actuarial science working outside of D.C., but he had a phenomenal high school career. He could have played possibly at some Ivy League schools, could have played some D2, D3, and he just said, no, I'm done after this. I'm just – I'm going to go to Virginia, be a great student, and, and <laughs> now he's already that, that hey. productive guy can't, that's out can't in the community. Can't beat that. Yeah. No. Yep. You know, I, I had a conversation last night with a girl girl who who had just got done playing volleyball at middle tennessee state university she only played one year and it was interesting she was talking about how the speed at kiva and assumption was and the talent and it was harder to play for those teams than it was her college team you know and i think that your saint x and your trinities of the world you run into that a little bit sure you know i mean you could even get to a college somewhere and it's like man we had more talent talent in our high school team than we did even <laughs> at that level. So it's right. interesting. I mean, because it's really hard to make one of these teams when you go to one of all these boys' school. And oh, yeah. You've got to really be committed and really really be a great player to even step foot on you the gotta field. you got to stand up. you got to yeah, stand and, up. And I know we talked about that off the air Um just the whole tryout process. There's a lot of high school coaches that don't have to experience that because they're a non-cut sport. Right. Um, and, and some baseball programs. There's there's a lot of my friends that coach at other schools, and, and they take anybody that wants to play. Yeah. And they don't have to experience. They're probably begging kids to play. Yeah. And, right. and it, 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 that's the toughest thing that we have to deal with is having to cut really good kids first of all just phenomenal individuals yep. just great great somebody i don't have daughters but if i had a daughter there's there's kids that we've had to cut that you say if i had a daughter i would want her right. to date him i mean yeah. just a super young man and really good baseball players that you're right it's it's tough um and unfortunately we have to cut some of them some of them stick it out come back and make the team we've had a couple kids get cut as a freshman make it as a jv we had one young man get cut as a junior make it as a senior that's pretty rare wow. some guys come back out and get cut a second time which is really, really tough on him and the coaches. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and then some of them go on to a different sport. I've, I've joked around with the cross-country and track coaches, and some of them, you know, they'll go be a state champion in another sport at St. X. They'll go, they'll go be a, you know, distance guy or a relay oh, runner yeah, on the track yeah. team and yep. win state. And, and, you know, we're their biggest fan. Uh, there's no hard feelings at all. Um, sometimes they might feel differently, but I understand yeah. it. I realize I've become the bad guy when it comes to cuts, but I'm still going to support them whatever they go on to. I really am. Well, you know, it's interesting that you brought that up. A lot of these kids that go to St. X, maybe they don't make the basketball or the, the, the baseball team, but then they go play lacrosse and become a state champion lacrosse player <laughs> right. or it's or the rugby team. It's, right, it's interesting whatever. how – Yeah. You know, who knows? Well, golf's hard to make too. But, <laughs> well, but, they're all hard but, to make. Well, they're right? all hard to make. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of opportunity. Right. You know, right. I mean, if, if, if you don't make a certain sport – and even um, even intramurals. Yes. I mean, so you can go be a two-sport athlete, but you don't necessarily have to be on the high school team. You can go play intramurals. Right. So. I was going to say, do any of these kids hang around – like, let's say the kids that get cut that really love baseball – Maybe not the best player, but they still love the sport. Do any of them hang around and be like a manager that's, or like that's a – exactly what they do. And, and it, it's interesting because, you know, when we go through our tryouts, this year I'll have 12 coaches on staff, and, and we try. It's tough. There's five of us in the building, which uh, I, I can promise you there's not another high school program in the state of Kentucky that has five baseball coaches teaching in the building. Three of us teach math, one teaches science, and one teaches English. But wow. the other seven are paraprofessionals. Uh, two of them are lawyers. One of them's an engineer. Uh, um, 
you know, they're, they're out in the community and, and we, when we have tryouts, I, I ask, I can't demand it because obviously they got to make a living, but I ask, let's get as many sets of eyes on these kids as possible. So if we have 35 freshmen trying out, there's times there's 10, 11, 12 coaches watching them try out. Likewise with the JV, there, there's times there's 10, 11 coaches watching them try out. So we get as many sets of eyes on them as possible. Um, and th- those those kids that I mentioned that, you know, if you had a daughter, you'd want your daughter to date him. They're just great kids, but maybe not as good athletically. There's times that the coaching staff behind closed doors will say, yeah, we got to let so-and-so go, but boy, wouldn't you love for him to come back and be manager? And don't you know, there's there's been a couple years where the next morning they'll come come to my office and they'll say, Coach, I'd love to be a manager. Mm-hmm. And you're almost in tears. You know, you're yeah. hugging him. You're like, you have yeah. no idea how much the coaches want you around. Yeah, and it's awesome. really, really cool. And and our managers, we treat them just like a teammate. Uh, you know, they're in the dugout there. You know, we do not treat them like a second-class citizen, you know, pick this up. Pick sure. They're a teammate. They're a part of the team. The only difference is they just don't get to wear a uniform. But they're wearing that state championship ring. They're in the dog pile. Uh, some of them I treat them almost like assistant coaches because if they're really good on Game Changer or the book mm-hmm. or whatever, hey, they're right there in my hip pocket. Yeah. Uh, so it is it is really cool. And it's, it's neat that the coaches kind of pick those guys out sometimes and then they come to us because it, it's tough. It, you really can't approach too many kids because sometimes it's like that double slap in the face you already cut me and now you're asking me to be the manager (laughs) but the ones that really buy into it and a lot of it's a credit to the kids that are in our program because I mean let's face it we're nearly year-round with workouts and those kids are working out August September October we take some time off in November and December and then January February it's back to six days a week before tryouts um they develop some bonds and some friendships, and you're right. They just love baseball, and they've got such great friendships with their buddies that did make the team. They want to be a part well, of it. Well, it says of it. something yeah, a lot really about their character. You know, I'm going to, let's say, suck it up. I got right. cut, but I still want to be part of the program. Yeah. Well, what can I do? It's right. also, if you if you care about your future at all, it's a big thing to put on a resume. You know, right. I mean, people, colleges love seeing that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. you know, these kids that care about where they go to college and that type of thing, having those experiences are huge. So, Coach, let me ask you this. So, uh, a friend of mine uh, is a big-time basketball instructor, and he was telling kids, if you want to make a basketball team, go to the coach and figure out where their need is. So figure out what they need. Do they do they need that point guard that can really distribute and kind of run the show, or do they need that big guy? What is it that they need, and how can you fill a role that that team needs? Does that does that play at all in baseball? I think it definitely does from St. X to the next level. Okay, because uh, we'll tell kids that all the time. I mean, you guys know there's there's you know tons of showcases out there and and you have to be careful because some of them are just kind of a cash cow but if if for example uh uh, you know a young man knows that a a particular division one program really needs middle infielders well then get on that campus get get to their camp instead of just a generic showcase that that coach may or may not be at but we'll tell them get to the campuses that you're interested in they all have camps saturdays and sundays you get to those camps and um you know as far as us, again, 
especially freshmen and JV, we never have a quote need. Yeah. We're going to take as many athletes right. and as many good baseball as players as we can. Yeah. We really are. But uh, at the varsity level, it's it's yeah. You keep an eye on what's going on to the JV and and who can you plug in. You know, like I talked about. You know, I'm pretty set. As long as we don't have injuries, we're pretty set at short and third. But who can we plug in at the JV sure. level to play second base? Who sure. can back up at short and third when those guys go to the mound? Uh, so you know, we're filling needs within our own program. But as far as travel ball guys, middle school guys coming to the high school, you know, just check off all those boxes of being a, a solid player, being a great athlete, and the intangibles, and the coaches will find a spot for you. They really will. I think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I love that. All right, Coach. So, again, we've tried to provide as much value as possible here. <clears throat> Give us what your favorite drill is, something that maybe we can take and use with our youth teams. Oh, gosh. One that we do, I mean, I'm big on trying to involve as many kids as possible. I, I can't stand the, the old adage of one guy's taking BP and everybody's just standing around shagging. I, I can't stand that. And that I think that's what turns a lot of kids off of baseball is is when somebody says it's too slow, it's too boring. So at, at St. X, we try to do a lot of drills where there's multiple fungos, where there's a lots of coaches and, and the kids are moving. Um, so just one that comes to mind right now, we call it just cuts, relays, and long hops. Uh, and, and we've got nine guys playing defense um you can do extra outfielders if you want to but if we do say for example with the varsity squad uh, typically i'll have six outfielders sometimes there's that seventh but typically i have six outfielders so they know first three outfielders are out there we can fill in with our infielders we'll even put a pitcher and a catcher in play um and then you either have your jvs or your subs or base running right uh and and basically it's hey base is empty nobody on nobody out Here's a ball hit to left. Um, you know, everybody should be moving. You know, depending on where the coach hit the fungal that day, if he hit it right at him, then, yeah, we're giving him first, but we're throwing to second. Uh, if the coach hits it down the line, we're, we're, we can incorporate double cuts, but a lot of times for cuts, relays, and long hops, it's separate from double cuts. And so we're not we're trying to run them to the line and run them in the gaps. We're not trying to put it on the warning track where okay. we, all of a sudden now we have double cuts. Um, but you'll go through a whole series where the left fielder will make two throws, the center fielder makes two throws, the right fielder makes two throws. We start all over with runners on first and a batter. And now it incorporates, hey, we're trying to keep that guy from going first to third, but we're really stressing those head high throws through the cutoff because we also don't want to keep the bat we want to keep the batter on first to keep the double play intact. But everybody's moving. You got pitchers backing up, you got weak side outfielders backing up potential throws, potential back picks. Everybody's moving. Then you do it again with runners on second. Uh, and then it's snappy and they know after you make your second throw with a runner on second, you're trying to hose the guy at the plate, you're trying to keep the batter from taking second. Then all of a sudden, boom, the outfielders switch and new outfielders come on and you do it again. Um, I'm not a big fan, especially a lot of guys that are two-way guys. We don't need to make dozens and dozens of throws in that drill. Yep. It can be two to second, two to third, and two to home, right. and you're done. And you're done. And we, we typically will do something like that. We've got a series of outfield drills uh, that we might alternate maybe every other day or every third day. They know we're doing cuts, relays, and long hops. One of those off days, then we might incorporate the double cuts. Uh, but the whole time, we're trying to take care of their arms, and we want want everybody moving i know some people will just have the outfielders throw to the bases but there's never a runner there's nobody backing up but right. it's baseball and outfielders are going to make mistakes somebody's going to have a short hop the ball's sure. going to get by well we better see the people that are in position backing sure. up and uh that's one that that uh i like to go to it's pretty basic but it's it, in fact, we're going to have a bunch of eighth grade. We've invited a bunch of eighth graders on campus next Tuesday to kind of watch one of our practices. Okay. And that'll definitely be one of the ones we do. And, and just the tempo of it. Cool. You know, it's, it's not a slow, 
okay, here comes the second ball. Here comes it's going to be rapid fire. Here's ball one, two. Here comes center field, right field, and you, it, it's it, it's actually a conditioning exercise not only for the base runners but even for the outfielders because they got to hustle back and get ready to go again. The middle infielders got to hustle back to their position and get ready to go out to be their, sure. their relay guys. Um, so it's it's a good one. And like I said, we just call it cuts, relays, and long hops. I like it. I think that one's good. You got any questions on that, Rick? Do you feel, I want to use this, so let's make sure we know how to do that. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> when, when, you, when you said that you had a, a batter, no, obviously you're using a fungo to do that. Right. So where, where's the batter running from? Uh, a lot of times, you know, if we want to challenge the, the defense, you know, we'll put a cone in foul territory and the line of batters will start at that cone. Um, I would say if you drew a line from third base to home and then went continued towards the dugout, uh-huh. sometimes we'll put that cone even with that. Got it. So he's a little bit – I know he's not in a straight line. Yeah. But a lot of times we'll say the moment coach tosses the ball up in the air, you can take off. Okay. So you do get a little bit of a head start Got there. Um, the biggest thing, too, is you want your runners to be aggressive but not stupid yep oh yeah uh, you know we want this to be realistic i don't want somebody to just jog to first and say i got no chance at second <laughs> so we'll have coaches in charge of runners and coaches in charge of fielders yeah. so a lot of times i'll roam the outfield coach lines might roam the outfield uh we might have coach amlung might be hitting swinging the fungo coach Cotty might be in the runner's ear and and he's basically you know urging and yelling at those guys you can make it go to go to you can go first to third because if you just let the kids do it on their own you know they're going to kind of jog it in and yeah. say, okay, I moved up my 90 feet, right. but there's no chance I could have made the extra base. Now, we're going to push them without being stupid because um, we don't need them. You know, it doesn't it does us no good if, you know, they run halfway from second to third and stop at shortstop and just say, yeah, I never would have made it. <laughs> sure, okay. sure. Um, you know, the trail runners are real important too. We really stress that. I the like trail that. runners. And again, it goes back to, in fact, I said this to that Vipers team last night because we did a, a version of this, but obviously with 13 you guys, it's not quite as, as sharp and it was the first time. But I said, raise your hand if you're a two way guy, you know, and almost all of them raise their hand. And I said, you know, when you're on the mound and it's a potential rough inning, the best way to get out of it is a double play ball. Right. So when you're an outfielder, don't airmail your cutoff man and let the batter go to second. The worst thing you can do there is they just keep trading places second to home, second to home. You've got to make a th- low throw where that batter has to stop at first. Now maybe it's first and third, but the pitcher can roll a double play ball and, and you know we might be out of the inning. So the trail runners are incredibly, incredibly important. Interesting. I like that. I love that drill, though. I think that's, that's really, really cool. Now, yeah. Coach, you mentioned that you're going to open up the field to potential teams that want to rent it and come out and, and be a part – um, how can somebody get a hold of you and do that? Yeah, right now the the administration got with us and they said the the potential dates are Mondays and Wednesdays. Okay. Uh, if we expand to more days, that decision will be made later. But basically, they can either email or call me at school. Okay. Um, you know, and I'll let them know whether something's already booked up or not. Uh, we actually had one organization when they heard about it, they said we'll take every Monday and Wednesday for the oh, rest of the year. <laughs> and I said I appreciate it from a scheduling standpoint. It would have been super nice for me, but I said we want to open this up to as many organizations as possible. Well, it's a marketing so, tool. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, get, it's getting kids on campus. And I mean, we don't that, want to tie ourselves to just one organization. Right. We, we would you love to everybody. be open yeah. to all of them. No, Absolutely. It makes sense. Yeah, so if they just email or call me at school, uh, and right now it's it would be like 6 to 8 on Mondays and Wednesdays. Perfect. Coach, thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. Yeah. Um, I hope that people got a lot out of this. I know I certainly did. 
Um, you know, if, if, if nothing else, you know, people are learning different styles and they're getting ideas on how they can run their program. So thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Once again, guardianbaseball.com. If you use the code Kentucky and a travel ball, you'll get an additional 15% off. Rick, let's roll it out. <laughs> <laughs>